I've been enjoying the beach, my place, my place where I get to hear from God. So yesterday morning, I was at the beach early in the morning. I get there before you have to pay to get on the beach. And I sit on the lifeguard chair, and I feel like the lifeguard until I take my shirt off, and I realize I'm not a lifeguard. And the Lord spoke something real powerful to me yesterday. I want to deliver it to you this morning, this afternoon, because I believe it's life-changing. You know, we've been doing a series called Hello Summer, and we've been looking at Psalm 23. And it's been powerful. The Lord is my shepherd. And we talked about David understanding that the Lord is his shepherd, that he's a sheep and he's prone to wander. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm, pr I'm prone to wander. He said, but I have a shepherd, and because the Lord is my shepherd, I will have no wants. As long as Jesus is my shepherd, I will have no wants. But he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And Pastor Henry, a couple of weeks ago, preached an incredible sermon on the Lord is my priest. I love Pastor Henry. I appreciate him so much. He's amazing, amazing, amazing. I love him so much. He's such a great man. I could tell him anything. He's like, you okay, Pastor? You know, like, get up here and interrupt him. He's like, I still love you, Pastor. I still love you. He's just an amazing guy. Uh, but you, wanna, you definitely want to hear that sermon about God being your peace. And then, and then we talked about the Lord is my shepherd and he restores my soul. What is the soul and how does God breathe life back into the real you, the soul? You want to you make sure you go online if you missed any of these sermons and just listen to them so you can follow it in order. It's really important. And then last week we said the Lord leads us in the path of righteousness. The good shepherd puts us on a path, leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Today I want to talk about valleys in our life. I want to talk about walking through valleys in our life. Because you see, in God's sovereignty, God, he leads us in a good place. He leads us to, to green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. And he leads us on a good path. But he also leads us in his wisdom, in his knowledge, in his sovereignty. The Lord also leads us in the valley of the shadow of death. Now this is really important to understand that there are going to be times in which the good shepherd is going to lead you right into a dark valley in your life. In all of our lives from time to time, God will have to move us from one place to the next place. Why? Because if you stay in that place too long, you're going to die. If you stay in that place too long, your faith is going to die. Why? Because faith is calling those things that are not as though they are. And faith is a, is a vision of a preferred future and God has something big for you. God has something incredible for you. But if you stay where you are and you don't listen to the, the voice of the good shepherd and you don't follow him where he wants to take you, if you resist the following and the leading of the Lord, you're going to die in that place just like that sheep who just keeps on eating and eating and eating until there's nothing left and he dies. So God has to move us from one place to the next. And the truth is all of us at one time or another are going to be led by God into a valley situation. No one likes to go through valleys in their life. Why? Because most valleys are dark, unless you're in the Napa Valley. But for the most part, most valleys are dark. 
Most valleys are dangerous. Most valleys are mystical. Valleys are always really scary places. Why? Because if you look in the scriptures, the Bible talks a lot about valleys. And when it talks about valleys, it talks about pain and sorrow and fear and death and the unknown. In fact, in Israel, there's actually a valley called the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death. And perhaps David is thinking about that valley because perhaps maybe David actually led some of his sheep as a shepherd when he was a boy through that valley. And it was scary. So the Bible often talks about valleys. Joshua talked about the valley of calamity. Psalms 84, 6 uses imagery of people passing through the valley of Baca or the valley of sorrow and weeping. Hosea talks about the valley of Achor or the valley of trouble. And then Ezekiel is led by God and the Spirit of God into the valley of dry bones. And God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, do you believe that these dry bones can live again? And I want you to know today that God can turn life out of death. God can walk in your valley, in your situation, in the situation in which you think my dreams are gone, my vision is died. God wants to resurrect your dream and God wants to resurrect your vision because God is a living God and when he's walking with you he turns life into something that was once dead somebody help me out and say hallelujah the bible speaks about valleys a place of battles that are fought a place where battles are won or battles are 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 there is defeat in the in the valley at times but but there are but there is it's a place of battling and the Bible says that David had to battle the Philistine, that they would come and they would stand on one mountain and, and the Israelites were on one and the, and the Philistines on another. And David had to go into the battle. He had to go into the valley to battle Goliath. And there are going to be times when God wants to teach you how to war. He wants to teach you how to win over spiritual forces of darkness. And so you've got to go into the valley and you've got to fight through the valley so that you can learn how to have spiritual confidence in your life. And then there's the valley of indecision and then there's the valley of need. The Bible says that Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration and he was up there for a couple of days and, and Peter loved being on the mountain. But God said, if you really want to be used by me, you've got to come down from this mountain and go into the valley where there are people that are in need of a miracle. Come on, somebody say, God works his best work in the valley. I didn't hear you. God works his best work in the valley. And then there was the valley of Hinnon, located just outside the city of Jerusalem, where the people of Israel, I can't believe that they would even do this, but the, the people of Israel actually sacrificed their babies to the false god of Malak. And God rained judgment down upon them. Then there was the valley in which Sodom and Gomorrah was in. And the Bible rained judgment on, the, God rained judgment on them as well. And then there's the, the valley of Hinnon. Hinnon. And in Jesus' day, it was, it was called the valley of Gehenna. And that valley was a valley in which they would take all the garbage and they would throw it in this valley of Gehenna. And that word Gehenna actually means hell. Hell. 
So it was the valley of hell. And, and while the smoke was coming out of the valley, Jesus would point to that valley and he would talk about hell and he would say that if your eye offends you, uh, pluck it out. Your hand offends you, cut it off. Why? Because it's better for you to go into heaven with, without an eye than to go to hell and burn forever and ever and ever in everlasting flames. And he used it as an illustration of what? That there's death in the valley. There's death and darkness in the valley. There's waste and refuge in the valley. But the truth of the matter is, is that there were, in the summertime, the shepherd would often have to lead his sheep to another place, to a new place. Like God wants to lead you today to a new place. And the shepherd, he wanted to lead his sheep to a, a mountaintop, a place where it was open, wide range, where, where they could feed off and feast off the, the grass and, and there were springs of water. But the only way, the best way that they can get to that mountain was to go through the valley. So the sheep had to trust the shepherd. And they would go into this valley and the sheep, some of them, they were so scared they'd want to turn back. But, but the shepherd was so good that he would go and get the sheep and help them to walk through the valley. And I'm here to tell you today that in God's sovereignty, in God's wisdom, in God's foreknowledge, and in God's purpose for your life, he wants you to go to a mountaintop in your life. He wants to take you to a new place, but you're going to have to go through the valley to get there. Don't get scared. See, some of us, we get scared and we turn away. I think of all the people that could have had their miracle in their life. They could have had God's best in their life, but they got scared and they ran out of the valley. And they don't want to go through the valley to the good place. God has a good place for you today. I want you to say with me, God has a good place for me. You see, the shepherd knew exactly how to get them there. He, know, he knew there was a good place on the other side. He knew that there was the right place, but they had to go through. They had to follow the shepherd through the valley. And the good shepherd knows that there's a really good place for you, a place of purpose, a place of power, a place of destiny, a place of fruitfulness, a place of blessing. But in order to get to that place, you and I must be willing to follow the good shepherd through some scary valleys, the valley of unknown. No one likes to go through a valley, but the truth is God will never lead you through a difficult place, a scary place, a pain-filled place, or a dark place without a divine purpose in your life, without a plan to bring you to an incredible place in your life, to a deep place in your life, to lead you to a mountaintop experience where your faith will soar in a new way. See, God, he's up to something big in your life. But nobody wants to go through a valley. But I love what David says. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yay! Though I walk through the valley. Yay! Hey, listen. That's what James says. He said, when you're walking through a valley in your life, you need to say, yay! I'm walking through a valley in my life. He said, consider it pure joy. When you encounter all kinds of trials in your life. That's what James says. James 1 says, you need to say, yay, I'm going through a valley. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, yay, I get to go through a dark time in my life. <laughs> yay, I get to go through a difficult time in my life. Yay, I get to go through a scary time in my life. Why? Because James says the only way that you're going to grow in your faith, the only way you're going to mature in your faith, the only way God can actually do a deep work in your life is you've got to go through the valley. You've got to go through the fire. You've 
got to go through the trial because it's in the fire that you see Jesus more clearly. It's in the trial that you learn how to trust God more. It's in the valley that you learn how to have sympathy for other people. You see, you can't know what other people have gone through until you go through it. That's why Jesus had to be our, our high priest and he had to go through all of the trials that we go through so we can have a compassionate high priest who knows what we're going through so we can receive grace and mercy in a time of need. You can't be grace-filled and you can't be merciful until you go through it yourself. I know, man, I know what you're going through because I went through it. I know the pain because I felt the pain. I know the sorrow because I've gone through the sorrow in my life. And God wants to do a rich, deep work in your life. So James says, let this trial have its perfect work in your life so that you might be a man or a woman that is mature, not lacking in any way. Wow. Peter says it this way. Even though these trials have come to you, they're no strange things to you, but that you have to go through the fire so that you might be purified because your faith is more important than gold and silver. And that when you go through it, you might be for the glory and praise of our Savior and Lord when he appears. Wow. Powerful. So here's what I've learned about valleys in my life. The way I handle the valley, the way I accept the valley, the way that I see the valley, the way that I walk through the valley in my life will always determine whether or not I will experience the joy, the peace, the power, the fruit of the Spirit, the faith, the depth, the maturity, and the growth that God wants for my life. It's the way I handle it. It's the way I go through it. You know why? Because the truth of the matter is, is that valleys are inevitable in all of our lives. It's going to happen to all of us. Valley experiences are a part of all of our lives. You can count on valleys in your life. You might say, what? Pastor Steve. Are you prophesying valleys in my life? No, I'm telling you, you're going to have valleys in your life. I don't have to prophesy anything. Jesus said, in this life, you will have many valley experiences, but be of good cheer. As you're walking through the valley, I have overcome the evil one. Hallelujah. He said, you can count on trials in your life. Because there are certain things that can only happen in your life when you go through the valley. Valley is not a bad place. It's a scary place. The valley is not a, an evil place. It's a scary place. But you've got to go through it. And to everyone, they're going to have to face some valleys in their life. Jesus didn't say if. He didn't say maybe. He said you will have tribulation in this world. Why? Because when you become a Christian, you're going to get persecuted. Why are we going to go through valleys in our life? Because we live in a sin-filled world. And it's still very dysfunctional. And as a result of that, people are going to hurt you. You're going to be disappointed. But in all of that, God is still sovereign in your life. And in all of that, God allows these things to happen to us to grow our faith, to grow our compassion, to grow our sympathy, to grow us up in the Lord. Secondly, valleys are unpredictable. Did you ever notice valleys never come... They seem to come at the right time. Did you ever say, wow, I'm really looking forward to this valley experience in my life? You know, it seems like I get a flat tire in all the wrong places and all the wrong times. I mean, you know, I'm not driving along going, hey, hun, listen, you know what? It'd be a really good place. This would be a really wonderful place for us to get a flat tire. 
I mean, I guess if I was in Hawaii, right near the beach somewhere, I was like, this is going to be a wonderful place for my car to break down. Good excuse. Get the blanket out. Let's sit on the beach, you know. But the truth is, trials come to us unexpectedly. The doctor gives you bad news. That's bad. It just punches you in the gut. Your husband tells you. Your wife tells you they don't love you. That just, it's unexpected. These trials come. It seems like they're, in, they're inevitable, but they always come. They're unpredictable. But if we think they will never come, if we think as Christians we should never experience them, if we live our whole life trying to avoid them, when they come, we will not be ready to walk through them with grace and power and peace and confidence and faith. You know, I was, I was counseling a young couple. They want to get married. So they come into my office and the young lady smiling. The young man sitting there like he has no clue. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And, um, and we get to talking a little bit, you know, and I, I, I tell the young couple, hey, listen, you know, it's exciting. You want to get married? Give me some of your core values and your dreams. And, you know, they're all the same. You know, they all got it down because I guess, you know, they got to, you know, whatever. But, you know, they've got it down. You know, we love Jesus. We love God. You know, we come to church. And it's all good. That's really good, great answers. But I said to them, listen, I, and, I, and I, I, I draw this triangle, and I put God at the, at the center, at the top, and I said, listen, you, you need to make sure that God is the center of your life. I always tell couples the same exact thing. You need to make God the center of your life because if God is at the top of the triangle, as you move closer to God, you move closer to each other. That's good. Isn't that good? That's good. That's good. I said, and the second thing is you better learn how to, Put down a really good, strong, deep foundation in your life of God's word because, guess what? Storms will come, and your marriage will be tested. And the girl's like, no way. I love him so much. I... <laughs> Not us. We're different. We're never going to fight. We love each other. So... And the guy's like, yeah. <laughs> And I always tell them, man, you better, you better build your life on the right foundation. Why? Because Jesus said the wise man built his house on the rock. Why? He built his house on the rock for one reason, to get ready for the storm. He built his house on the rock because he knew the storm would come. He knew the waves would beat against the house. He knew the trials would come. But Jesus said the foolish man, he went to the beach and he put up a house, but there was no foundation when the storm came the house was you know the house was destroyed because he did not prepare the right way and I'm here to tell you today that you need to prepare for the storm you need to get ready for the trial you need to let your faith go 
deep down. You need to know the word. You need to know God. You need to know God in prayer. You need to fellowship with one another. And you need to get ready because the storm is going to come. But I'm here to tell you that the storm will come and it will pass because my God will finish the work that he started inside of you. And you might go through a valley, but you're not camping in the valley. You're not going to die in the valley. You're not staying in the valley. You're walking through the valley to the other side. Hallelujah. There's a mountaintop experience for you. You've got to go through it, but God's going to get you on the other side. Woo! That's key. That's critical. We see, valleys, I've also learned, are usually temporary. David said, though I walk through. And so my valley is not intended to defeat me and destroy me. My valley is intended to strengthen me and make me all that God wants me to be. So I want you to say with me today, I want you to say with me, my valley will not defeat me. <laughs> my valley will not destroy me. My valley will not discourage me. My valley will not destroy my life. Because I'm not camping in the valley. And I'm not staying there too long. My valley is not my final destination. It's just part of my journey. It's not a detour. It's actually a part of my journey. But I'm going over to the other side. That's so important to understand. But, but David is talking about a deep valley. Now, when David talks about the shadow of death, when he talks about that valley, he's really actually not just talking about a short little stint, a difficult time in his life, but he's talking about a longer valley in his life. I don't know about you, but when I'm driving through tunnels, you know, or you go through the Midtown Tunnel, you know, or you go through the tunnels leading over to, you know, those, the, the Chesapeake Bay Tunnels. Like, there's like five of them, right? And, you know, you go through a short tunnel, and you're kind of like, oh, that was cool. That was easy, <laughs> you know. But then you get into a longer tunnel, and your mind starts playing games. Come on, I don't know about you, but my mind starts playing games, and I start looking around like, and how old is this tunnel? When did they build this tunnel? I can't see any light at the end of this tunnel. And your mind starts to play games with you like, what if I get stuck in this tunnel? <gasps> and you're like, uh, okay, don't have a panic attack right now. You're good. Just keep on driving. Just keep on driving and praying, right? Well, this is a long tunnel for David. This is not just a, another low point in his life, just another depressed moment in his life. Have you ever had a bad day? Anybody ever have a bad day? By the end of the day, it got good. That's a short tunnel. Did you ever have a bad month? And you know, it was a little longer than a day, but when it was over, it was okay. How many of you have had a long tunnel, dark valley season in your life? Come on, look at me. Where it feels like, or it felt like, there's no light at the end of this tunnel. I can't see it. It seems to take your breath away because you just don't see any way out of this tunnel. David, 
is not in another short valley experience. But David is talking about the valley of the shadow of death. And there are valleys that are deeper valleys. There are valleys that are darker valleys, more dangerous valleys. Valleys that have death written right outside the entrance of the valley. Don't go through that valley. It'll kill you. There are longer valleys. There are harder valleys to climb out of. And to David, this valley is the valley that casts a shadow, a big, dark shadow that seems to lead to death. And maybe David is remembering when Saul betrayed David, when David was playing the harp and, and Saul picked up a, sword, a spear and threw it at David and almost killed David. And now David's on the run from one valley to another valley, one cave to another cave the valley of the shadow of death, and it's casting a shadow because at any moment Saul can come and kill him, and he has to live this life of faith one cave at a time. Or, or maybe it's when, when David actually creates his own valley, commits adultery with Bathsheba, and as a result of that, he's now in a valley, and he's dug a hole so deep for himself, and his family is so dysfunctional that now Absalom actually hates his father and Absalom wants to take over his father's kingdom. And now David is not on the run from Saul. He's on the run from his own son. His own son wants to kill him. That's a valley. That's the valley of the shadow of death. This was the time in David's life when it seemed like nothing could ever be worse than what he was experiencing at the moment. David's on the run from Saul every turn. It's a dark valley. He's on the run from his son Absalom. It's a dark valley. He is so depressed and discouraged over his sinfulness with Bathsheba. It's a dark valley. It's a shadow that is casting a certain fearful feeling that this time there will be no light at the end of the valley. That this time there's no green pastures or no still waters. This time there will be no mountaintop experience. This is a shadow that's looming over my life, and it keeps telling me that in this valley, I'm going to surely die because there's a shadow that is present. You know, here's what I've learned about shadows. They're really scary, but they can't hurt us. A shadow is just a shadow. They're really scary, though, because shadows scream out at us. Shadows overwhelm us with fear. And the truth is, fear will paralyze us. The truth of the matter is, is that there are times in all of our lives when we cry out to God. Even when, David says, even when I face the most difficult times in my life, when I walk through the hardest times in my life, when I, when I go through the scariest valley that I've ever faced in my life, even though there is a shadow that keeps on trying to cast its darkness over my soul, here's what David says, I will fear no evil. I will not give in to fear. I will not give in to anxiety. I will not be overcome with terror over the shadow in my life. Why? Because I'm not going to let fear intimidate me. Why? Because fear has a, a way of gripping our hearts and strangling out 
faith that is left in our soul. Fear has a way of paralyzing us and keeping us from moving forward when we're in a valley. Fear has a way of stealing the strength that we have. Fear has a way of destroying our faith and leave us sitting in the middle of our valley and keeping us from moving out to where God wants us to be. It's just like the people of Israel when they were going through the desert and they encountered a, a valley situation in their life and fear gripped them or maybe they were on the doorstep of the promised land and fear gripped them and they didn't go into the promised land and they got stuck back in the desert for another 40 years and man there are people in this room that God is saying to you keep walking forward don't go back don't go back into your old life don't go back to Egypt but keep on walking forward one step at a time don't let fear paralyze you don't let fear get the best of you but keep on your looking to Jesus who's the author and finisher of your faith and keep moving forward in your life one step at a time because if you give into fear it will paralyze you but I love what David says this is awesome the Lord is my shepherd yay everybody say yay, yay. though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear I won't I will fear nothing no evil I will not give in to fear. Why? Listen, listen to me. Because you are with me. Did you notice that halfway through the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. David knows of God on the mountaintop. David knows of God in the green pastures. David knows God intimately in the valley. It goes from he to you. I know you. And here's what I've learned. When I'm in the valley... God does his best work of intimacy in my life when it comes to knowing him. Three Hebrew boys are thrown into the fire furnace and they could see Jesus clearly for the first time. They don't just see God the Father, they see his son. Hallelujah. And I want to suggest to you that when you're going through the darkest times of your life, God reveals himself in a more clearer and more incredible way than ever before in your life. And it goes from he to you. You know him intimately. And David says the secret to traveling through a dark valley in your life is you must know this one thing. He is with you. Have you ever really stopped for a moment to consider what that means? I know that you have all your life, if you're a Christian, you have heard the scripture, for he will never leave you nor forsake you. And nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That he will be with you. But have you ever really considered the implications of what that really means? Yesterday I was sitting on the beach and I was praying. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, Steve, do you really understand what it means that I am with you wherever you go? In fact, I want you to actually... I want you to do homework when you get home. I want you to write down, he is with me. I will fear no evil for God. You are with me. What does that mean to you? 
Because, see, everyone has a different valley experience in their life. So for the person who got that bad report from the doctor, who was told that they got cancer, God being with that person was that every day that person got up and every day that person had to face the fact that they had cancer and they had to go get chemo and they had to go to doctor after doctor. But in their life, there was a faith story that said, but God gave me the strength to get up in the morning. He gave me the grace to go on. He gave me the ability to believe God for healing. And this is what God did because he was with me for that woman who had a, her husband walk out on her and, and she didn't know how that things were going to turn out and she didn't know how God was going to provide but God provided every single day of her life and God gave her the grace just like my mom who's gone through some real valleys in her life and she's gone through some very difficult times in her life God was with my mother she was 28 years old four little kids but every day we had food on the table God was with us and God's grace was in our life and God's power and God's strength was in our life you see for every one of you in this room it'll mean something different but it's the same thing over and over again it is God coming alongside of you walking with you through your valley experience saying whatever you need when you need it you're gonna have it if you need grace if you need strength if you need courage if you need healing whatever it is that you need the Lord is your shepherd and you won't want why because he's with you wherever you go hallelujah the implication of God being with you is the power in the scripture to believe that you will fear no evil. Why? Because he's right by your side. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how you need God to be with you. But however you need God to be with you, he is the great I am. And when he said to Moses, tell him I am that I am, what he was really saying is, I am whatever they need me to be when they need me to be whatever they need me to be. That, that's so powerful. I, I had this picture in my mind yesterday that God was saying, Steve, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what you face in your life, all you need to know is this one thing. I'm going to be right by you. And I'm going to be Jehovah Shalom when you need peace. I'm going, to, I'm going to be there to give you peace. And I'm going to be Jehovah Jireh when you need provision. And I'm going to be Jehovah Rapha. I'm going to heal you when you need. I'm going to be whatever you need me to be. Because I'm not leaving you. I'm not walking out on you. I'm walking with you in the midst of the valley. So I will fear no evil. As the worship team comes... I, I want to suggest to you two other things that's so powerful. And one is, is that David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Yay! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, one of the things about teaching expositorily and reading one verse at a time is you could really go deep. And so I've been going deep on it, every little word, every phrase of Psalms 23. And, and I never really thought about the rod. I thought about the staff. Everybody knows a shepherd's staff, but what's the rod? This is the rod. And what is this? This is a policeman's nightstick. That's what it is. It's illegal to carry these outside these days because this is lethal. 
You know, I know some of you looking saying, I hope my husband don't fall asleep and Pastor Steve hits him over the head right now. Because this will put him out for good. But I want you to see that what David was saying is this, the Lord is my shepherd and yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow that I will fear no evil for thou art with me. What he was saying is God is with him walking in front of him. And you see, a shepherd would have what was called a rod. And it looked a lot like this. And on the end of the rod, there were nails. And the shepherd would go in front of the sheep. Aren't you glad that your shepherd doesn't make you go and say, look, I'll be behind you. You go first in the valley. But the shepherd walks in the valley. And in that valley, there are lions and bears. In that valley, there are predators. But the Lord of hosts... The good shepherd, he's got the rod. And let me tell you something. He goes before you and he battles for you. And there's no weapon that is formed against you that will prosper. And there's no demon that will destroy your life. Why? Because he goes before you and he beats down the devil every time he comes knocking at your door. And he beats down every weapon that is formed against you. Because the Lord of hosts, he goes before you. He does battle for you. And he is your protector. So you can know that as you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. Why? Because he goes before you and he's going to protect you every step of the way he's going to finish the work that he started inside of you and he's going to do battle for you hallelujah but you know the rod was used for something else now i know you don't want to hear this in italian they call it agoreya sonny you know what i'm talking about you know what I'm talking about, sonny they killed my son sonny and some of you just got to watch the godfather to get that one but the rod was also used for discipline. Now look at me, because some of you, you're watching via live stream today, you're in the balcony, the main floor in the cafe, and you're a wandering sheep. And you're stubborn. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna offend some people now. You're stubborn. And God keeps on telling you, this is the right path to go on. Love your wife. Love your husband. Be faithful. Be a person of prayer and the word. Because the word will keep you on the right path. And don't go that way because that way there seems, there's a way that seems right to man but it ends in death. But you keep on wandering from the good shepherd's path. Because there's something that seems to be more delightful and tempting to you. And when the shepherd, listen to me, when the shepherd had a sheep who just kept on wandering, he knew that finally that sheep would meet his demise because if he wandered far from the shepherd, there would be a lion or a bear or a predator that would eat him alive. So in his mercy, listen to me, I know you don't want to hear this. In his mercy, the shepherd would actually take his rod and break the leg of the sheep and then place that sheep on his shoulder and carry the sheep and wait for that leg to heal so that the sheep would learn its lesson. And the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And the Bible says, don't take light the discipline of the Lord because he's doing it because he loves you. And maybe you're here today and you keep on wandering from God. 
And God is saying, man, how many times do I need to break your legs? But I love you with an everlasting love. And maybe you have, you're facing a difficult situation in your life and it's very painful. And God allowed that to happen, his discipline in your life to bring you back to this very moment where you recognize that without God, the enemy will destroy and kill your life. But it's time to come home. Today, it's time to come home to where God wants you to be. Oh, but he not only had a staff, uh, a rod, but he had a staff. And I love the staff. The, the rod was there for protection and discipline. The staff was there for guidance and for rescuing. So the shepherd would take the staff, and every once in a while, he'd have to kind of just remind the sheep where to go, just kind of guide the sheep. You see, when you sit in the front row, you just never know what Pastor Steve's going to do. <laughs> so next week, everybody's going to be way in the back. But, he, but the staff was there to guide, and God, he knows what he's doing in your life. He knows how to guide you, and I know it's scary I know for some of you it feels like, man, I don't want to go through that place, that dark valley in my life because, man, I just don't know what's going to happen. God will guide you through every step and every process in that valley. And should you fall, he'd have a shepherd's staff with a crock on it for a reason. Because if you fell, the shepherd would take and grab you and pull you right back up and lift you back onto higher ground. God is a compassionate God. And even when we fall, even when we falter, even when we fail, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to pick us up out of that miry clay and put us back on a ground, that strong rock, where God will lead us again to a place of fruitfulness, a place where there are still waters and green pastures. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for your rod. Thank you, Lord God, that you go before us and you fight for us, Lord. And thank you, Lord God, for your staff, Lord, that guides us and leads us and picks us up, Lord, when we've fallen. Lord, we pray today, God, for every person in this room and everyone that's watching via live stream today. Father, that you would touch their hearts today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain if I died today, I'd go to heaven and I need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me in this room. You say, God has touched my heart today and I need to give my life to Jesus, the good shepherd. I want you to raise your hand. Anybody in this room say, Pastor, pray for me today. Pray for me. I'm not sure if I died today. God bless you for that hand. Anybody else in this place? Yes, yes. I want to pray a simple prayer for you that raised your hand today. And I want everybody to help us out as we pray. But if you raised your hand, I want you, to, I want you to pray this simple prayer. And after the service, there's going to be some counselors. They want to give you some information so that you can start your journey of faith. Please, if you raised your hand after the service, see one of the counselors here. They want to give you some information and pray with you. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. You are my good shepherd. And I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley... I will fear no evil. I ask you today that you forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. I trust you today with every area of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.